contracts. Intellectual property. Labor law. And much more. Make up to the wonderful world of entertainment law. Let's take a moment and learn about this vast area law. Lights, camera, action. And scene. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 35 of End Scene and Entertainment Law Podcast. I'm Tony Lee Costas. And I'm Evan Nar. Tony, it is a very somber day here at End Scene. It is our final podcast <laughs> of 2023. Um, what a year it has been, right? We will kind of share some highlights at the end of the episode. We'll keep you guys in suspense, but truly from the bottom of my heart, man, the fact that we birthed this child together we we, we, were, we reared this I child. held your hand i held i held your hand every step of the way this this child rearing experience uh from you know just from development to creation with coming up with the theme song uh, from my cousin hunter and each week just having so much fun doing this like legitimately you guys need to understand rarely ever have Tony and I argued about anything. Like it, it is, you know, we talk about Hall and Oates in the last episode, right? Like polar opposite. It's always been fun, good times, agreeing on things and making the best content possible. So kudos to us, pal. I'm, I'm going to say, God forbid the day comes where there's like an argument between the two of us. We've had some disagreements on interpretation, but I mean like that's, exactly. that's part and parcel to being an attorney. Exactly. But I will say this. I think what has been the catalyst for the success of End Scene has been the fact that we truly have been on the same wavelength on a lot of different issues that we've talked about. And I think that that's not even specific to having a legal podcast, but surely when you're having, uh, when you're hosting any type of podcast, I think it is so important for uh, podcasts that have multiple hosts to really have that rapport. And for us, we definitely have it. The chemistry is there. We ju- we drive off of one another. And most importantly, we enjoy talking to each other. Yeah. And obviously, I- I've enjoyed having this podcast now, you know, 35 episodes in uh, with you, Evan. And obviously, this is just the start of something great with us uh, as we, you know, lead into 2024. But um, honestly, this has just been a pleasure beyond anything else. I agree, Tony. Echo the same sentiments and we'll and we'll share some of the highlights for both Tony and I and some statistics. We all love statistics, to us attorneys. <laughs> uh, I always say I became an attorney because I can't do math. <laughs> I was going to say, though, if maybe you're into sabermetrics, maybe that's where you'll enjoy the stats. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about Roadmap. Today, we're going to be talking about the global phenomenon that is Shohei Otani, recently signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. But there's a little bit of a caveat to his contract, right? Uh, we will go into a little bit about what that means and some an, another fun example. Uh, it's going to be Bobby Bonilla, spo- spoiler alert, and how these baseball contracts have kind of just been crazy over the years. And then we're also going to talk about Luke Combs, the country singer. Uh, probably he's known mostly for his cover of Fast Car, which is highly addictive, but he has many other great tunes out there as well. And a lawsuit that he was not directly involved in, but inadvertently involved in, uh, involving a third party that was making tumblers with his face on it. 
and it's gotten kind of crazy, but he made right by it. We will go into that. And then, of course, uh, we're not going to have a fun question today, but more we're going to talk about the highlights again. And before we dive in, Tony, our disclaimer. Yes, as always, Evan and I are lawyers, but we're not your lawyers. So anything that we say in today's episode is purely our opinion and not representative of our employers in any way, shape, and form. And anything that we say in today's episode is to not be construed as legal advice. Awesome. Great way to great, great ending uh, there, episode 35. You with with pizzazz. Oh, with pizzazz, as always. <laughs> haven't lost a step. All right, let's talk about Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is... Japanese, yes? Yes, he was uh, Japanese from the Nippon Ham Fighters, which <laughs> is where a lot of b- Japanese baseball players that are very, very good come from. And as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, um, I'm going to, I'm dating myself a little bit, but Dice, Dice K Matsusaka, Boston Red Sox legend, if I'm not mistaken, he was also a Nippon Ham Fighter. So I don't know why you're yeah. dating yourself. I mean, he was with the team in like 2007 <laughs> or 2013. I remember I've, that. I've, I, I always envisioned it like in the early 2000s for whatever reason. About, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, he, I distinctly remember his windup where he would bring the bring the, the mitt to the top and then do like a little booty shake and, and then pitch it. <laughs> so great. So he, great. He always had a flair. Anyway, Shohei Otani is unlike any baseball player we've seen in this generation. Like, honestly, he's a two-way player, meaning he pitches as well as bats. Um, and he's really good at it more often than not. There's so let's talk about the MLB for, you know, those listeners that may not be too familiar with baseball. There's two divisions in the MLB, the American league, the AL and the national league, the NL each team or each division, I believe has 16 different teams or maybe 15. I think there's 30 or 32 total teams. I think there's 30 in either event. Um, Again, the AL East is with like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rays, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, you name it. The NL West is very tough, too. you got the Rockies, the Dodgers, the Padres. Who am I forgetting? Uh, the Giants. And then there's one more. You said Diamond Padres, Diamondbacks. 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 Yes, yes. So Shohei Otani was on the Los Angeles Angels. That's who drafted him or or signed him, rather. And he was with Mike Trout there, who is a MVP of the American League. And Shohei Otani, this most recent year, won AL MVP. So never before have we seen a pitcher like hit the amount of home runs and bat as well as Shohei does. Never like since Babe Ruth, I believe, have we seen That's exactly who I was going to say. Probably the last person to do like two-way playing like that. Now, I believe they got rid of this, but in the National League, it was a rule that the pitcher had to bat ninth in the order. So, you know, it was kind of seen as an easy out, right? You have these lockdown pitchers that that give up two runs a game, but literally bat 100, which means one every 10 times they bat, they get on base, which is horrendous. They're seen as an easy out. Shohei Otani, meanwhile, bats around like 300, 30% of the time he gets on base and his strikeouts in uh, in terms of pitching is up there in terms of, uh, you know, his strikeout ratio and everything like that. Truly a marvel. So, you know, he wasn't really winning in Los Angeles. In the, in, in the, <laughs> You're putting it so lightly. <laughs> uh, yeah. The unfortunately, the, the Angels have not made the playoffs, uh, I believe, in any year that Shohei had been there. And he was a free agent. And w- with a general p- player like this, you would expect a high payout. And baseball, I don't believe there's a salary cap because the 
the money that is doled out to baseball players is astronomical, right? So I'll let Tony go into the intricacies of this, but Shohei Otani signed a deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers, so he's staying on the West Coast for $700 million. That's unbelievable. Like every second he's on the field, he's making $2,000 or something. It's 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 unbelievable, truly. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to see how many years. Uh, I think it might have been 10 years. It's a 10-year deal, yeah. 10-year deal. So it's 10-year, $700 million deal. But he did something incredibly savvy. He deferred $680 million, meaning the Los Angeles Dodgers on their payroll will only need to pay Shohei Otani $2 million a year, which is a great strategic advantage for them because they can go out and sign talent because they don't need to worry about paying Shohei the 680 until after he retires. So what are the legal and practical ramifications of this deferment, Tony? So let's start with the fact that this is more of a business decision, less than like a legal issue sure. that we're, that's coming up. Um, and I think it's important. You you highlighted it pretty emphatically. Baseball has no salary cap, so this is not like the football, like football or basketball, where there's a certain number of years where money is guaranteed. Like all of it in baseball is guaranteed. Yes, the, he is going to be paid seven hundred million dollars. The question is obviously how is it going to be staggered? Now. And there's taxes. There's taxes taken out of right. Course. Exactly, Ta- taxes they be accounted for, uh, like like a normal paycheck, right? Um, in his case, uh, you're est- we're estimating that the every season for the next ten seasons he's going to be paid the two million dollars. So that leaves this, as Evan mentioned, there's this remnant six hundred eighty million dollars that will be paid out over the course of ten years, beginning twenty thirty five. So from twenty thirty five to twenty forty five, Shohei Otani will be paid. Right after likely him retiring from baseball, because by then he'll probably be around 40, he will yep, be he'll be 39 years old. That's right. So he'll be uh, basically making $68 million per year, again, and not accounting for tax or anything. Doing nothing. Literally sitting on the couch. That is crazy. Like the last time I had like such a like a, an aversion to something like that was when the Mets signed also Boston Red Sox legend Mo Vaughn for a four-year, $60 million deal, only played one of those years, but literally sat on a couch for the last three years of his contract, and the Mets were paying out 15 mil. Easy way to make money. But all that to say, this is an unbelievable deal. Now, question that it's on everybody's mind, is this legal? The answer is yes, folks. This is absolutely legal. There's nothing barring Shohei Otani's agents and Major League Baseball, but more specifically the Dodgers, from having this type of deferred payment structure. At the end of the day, this is something that is discussed at the the bargaining table. Both sides discussed how this payment would be paid out. So if they felt like you know he was worthy of being paid $680 million after the conclusion of his uh, playing time with the Dodgers, so be it. Um, what Maybe there are other stipulations that we don't know about. Like, for example, what if Shohei Otani uh, is traded? Does he have a no-trade clause? And if there is a, a no-trade clause, can he waive it? And if he does waive it, does the, team, does the team pick up the uh, – assume the payment, the new team? So there are those little stipulations that are likely going to be contained in his contract. But – this is perfectly legal. This is something that is negotiated. And as long as there's, we talked about it before on the podcast, Evan and I had uh, have talked about ad nauseum. As long as there, there's this meeting of the minds where both parties agree to these terms, so be it. And, you know, I think that that was the case here. 
And Tony made a great point, and I'm actually looking at an article now. Deferred money is limitless under the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement for MLB players. So, you know, he could have, if he really wanted to, done $690 million deferred and then get paid $1 million a year. What's important to note, some people might be shaking their heads, you know, $2 million, yes, it's a lot, but can you live on that? You know, are you getting taxed by the state of California? This man has so much in endorsement deals that you would not believe. So, you know, he'll be making a pretty, pretty penny in these, uh, in this way as well. And we had talked about in previous episodes about morality clauses and reverse morality clauses. It seems to me Shohei is very well respected and very well liked. It doesn't seem like he's in danger of losing any of these endorsement deals anytime soon. So just to, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but just to put in perspective, I have on Fox Sports here, the top 15 biggest contracts in North America. This is just North America team sports. Shohei is number one, edging out Damian Lillard, who is a point guard in the Milwaukee Bucks, by $10 million. Shohei's at 70, Lillard's at 60.9, Giannis Antetokounmpo is at 59 million. Anthony Davis also at 59 million and Jalen Brown at 57.7 million dollars. So whoever's the owner of the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Mark Lazary, New York Law School grad, uh, he there's a lot of money going between those two players. But I digress. Um, it, it is really historical. Uh, we 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 saw Patrick Mahomes sign a 10-year, 450 million dollar deal, which is unprecedented in the NFL, where there is a cap. So he's getting paid forty-five a million uh, a year. Shohei's almost dub, almost not almost, uh, or thirty-three percent more than Patrick Mahomes, who is arguably Pat Mahomes is at the top of his game. Uh, he's having a little bit of a and, down and year. Prob- but- I was going to say though, arguably Patrick Mahomes probably has a much more physically taxing oh, yeah. uh, role as an athlete because I mean he's getting hit left and right, and you know obviously with baseball players, yes you could hit against the wall, yes you could get hit by pitch, but that is not the rigor as like getting your bell rung by you know a defensive a, end, a, a three hundred pound DL, yeah, exactly, exactly. So absolutely crazy, and then also uh, Tony his his favorite team the new york mets i'm actually drinking i noticed Did you I notice? noticed you're drinking out of your mets cup yet right, yeah. drinking out of my mets cup um there is a contract that is the most infamous in sports uh that is that is bobby bonilla uh, and i'll let tony talk about that and why that's somewhat relevant to the shohei discussion yeah, so Bobby Bonilla is a former MLB All-Star. Uh, I believe most of his time was spent with like the Dodgers, the Pirates, but he was like a really big star. But obviously what happens with the Mets, they, they find a star, and then when he joins them, they suck. So uh, that's unfortunately the case that happened with Bobby Bonilla. Signed a five-year deal worth $29 million in 1991, so his contract would begin effectively in 1992. Mm-hmm. Three years into the contract – He's traded to the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Then in 1997, he's traded to the Florida Marlins, where he wins the championship with the Marlins. They won the World Series. Then he signs a new deal, I believe with the uh, Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a three-year deal worth about $15 million that ultimately ends up in the hands of the Mets because the Mets traded for him in 1999-2000. The Mets release him that same year that they acquired him, but they did not pay him the $5.9 million that he's due. So what happened? Both parties, both parties being the Mets front office and Bobby Bonilla, agreed on a deferred payment structure where basically between 2000 
and 2011, July 1st, 2011, uh, that $5.9 million would accrue on uh, 8% interest. Hmm. And after that, after that time period, after that 11-year period expired, that's when the Mets would effectively begin payments to Bobby Bonilla between 2011 up until uh, 2035. Uh, uh, well, 2034 will be the last year. So because of – and actually, fun fact, this was all done because at the time the Mets, who were run by the Wilpons, a.k.a. the Coupons, were uh, were at the sought financial advice from the one and only Bernie Madoff. <laughs> so Bernie Madoff said, "This is a great decision. This is a great sound business move. Go figure." So every July first, since July first, twenty eleven, Bobby Bonilla has been paid one point one nine million dollars because that five point nine million dollars ballooned all the way to like twenty eight million or twenty nine million dollars. And thus, that's how he ended up getting paid uh, $1.19 million. He still gets paid every July 1st, this specific sum of money. This will happen up until 2034, which I have to say, it's quite poetic because as Bobby Bonilla's contract expires, then we'll usher in Shohei Otani's deferred payment structure. So it's like it's like the sequel, you know, it's the <laughs> just, it's like the deferred payment sequel. Just an- another sound financial decision by Mr. Bernie Madoff. Uh, So, yeah, very, very interesting concept there and totally legal. And again, Tony talked about this concept of the meeting of the minds, right? It is is core to a contract. And so long as Shohei and his team agreed to it, nothing barring it, especially under the CBA that governs these contracts uh, with the baseball players. So, And and, and I want to highlight one thing that you did say, truly super important here. Yes, $2 million is a lot of money, but you're probably saying for a, a superstar athlete, is that a livable wage? I don't think everybody understands like the endorsement machine, the sponsorship yes. machine that is Shohei Otani. He's the face now of New Balance sneakers. He's the face so, of the MLB, Tony. Let's be honest. L- literally the face of MLB. That That is – he is going to be at some point the face of Gatorade, Nike, or some other major sports-affiliated brand. He is going to continue building his sponsorship portfolio and lest we forget that he's a member of the Major League Baseball Players Association. And every time you buy a jersey of an athlete or every time you buy a poster of an athlete or even a bobblehead, royalties. a pennant, whatever, royalties, exactly. He gets paid a royalty. He his bank will be churning out money left and right. He's going to be perfectly fine. And one final note uh, before we move on to Luke Combs. Also, what I read is that the tax benefits of the state in which Shohei will reside after he retires. So let's say he plays out the rest of his years with the Dodgers and decides to move to a quaint town in Waco, Texas, for some odd reason. <laughs> He will get the benefits of the Texas tax structure because that's that's just think about it. That's his salary that's being paid and it's under Texas law. So he's really making a very fine, like fine, uh, savvy, excuse me, savvy financial. I'm really struggling with that one. Savvy financial decision by helping his team win now, which you don't see most players do. Tom Brady took a reduction to for them to sign superstars, which Bill never did. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> he's he's letting the team win now, and also can potentially make more money than he would have if he were paid the salary now while living in California. Absolutely, very interesting. So let's move on to Luke Combs. Luke Combs has been on the country scene for several years, I would say, but he's definitely ballooned in popularity uh, recently. 
And I think most notable is his song Fast Car, a cover from the Tracy Chapman song that came out, I believe, in the what was it, the 80s or 90s, Tracy Chapman? Definitely, de- definitely around like the late 1980s, I want to yeah. say. So we'll play a little bit of this iteration of Fast Car, you know, 10 to 15 seconds. So you, you've definitely probably heard of it before. You got a fast car, and I want to take it to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove Great. So Luke Combs is a household name in the country realm and and probably in other people's uh, realms as well because, you know, he's, his song is so popular on the radio. That said... We've spoken about this before. The name, image, and likeness of these singers, actors, Hollywood stars is is the money. Without that, you know, you're really missing out on a lot of opportunities here. And you should be the only one that governs how your name, image, and likeness is used, right? It makes sense. That said, there are companies that go after trademark infringers or name, image, and likeness violators without getting proper license and sue them. They probably, uh, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong here, they will ask for a cease and desist. They would probably tell the people first, hey, what you're doing is infringing on someone's rights. You need to stop. And if they don't listen, then legal action can be pursued. Um, So all this to say that Luke Combs has a company that looks out for potential infringers or people that are using his name, image, and likeness without license. And unfortunately, there was a lady by the name of Nicole Harness, uh, spelled uniquely N-I-C-O-L, Nicole Harness, who was selling $20 Luke Luke Combs tumblers on Amazon. She only made a total of $380 in sales. So what happened was this company that was enforcing the rights of Luke Combs issued a lawsuit to her via email. And Tony had told me that it went to her junk email. So she never was, she was technically served, which is the most important thing in a lawsuit, like making sure the person knows they're being sued, but never received it, which is just crazy interesting. And then the rest of what happened was, Luke got wind of this. There was a $250,000 settlement or not even a settlement, an order, a court order that was required for Nicole to pay, which is astronomical. That is, I can't do math. That's why I'm an attorney. Whatever, 380 <laughs> times what, or 250 divided by 380, like multi, that's how many, that's how much multiplied. Oh my God. I can't even speak English. I don't know what profession <laughs> I am. Um, it's a lot of money. That's the bottom line. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's much more, much more money than she made, right? So Luke Combs released a TikTok video apologizing, and uh, we will play a little bit of that TikTok video for you now. What's up, guys? Luke here. Uh, it's seven twenty-seven a.m. here in Tennessee. Um, I woke up at five a.m. to use the restroom, and the first thing I saw was this: um, a woman that's being sued by me for two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. I've spent the last two hours um, 
trying to, to make this right, trying to figure out what, what's going on because I was completely and utterly unaware of this. Um, so we reached out. Firstly, my manager reached out to this news station that ran this piece to try to get some info. Um, and so we do have a company uh, that goes after folks, uh, only supposedly large corporations operating internationally that make millions and millions of dollars making counterfeit t-shirts, things of that nature, running illegal businesses. Um, and apparently this woman, Nicole, has somehow gotten uh, wrapped into that. Um, and that makes me absolutely sick to my stomach. So I was able to get Nicole's phone number. I spoke to her this morning. She told me that, you know, she was absolutely shocked by this. I was, I'm so apologetic. I, I, it, talking to her, I just, it makes me sick honestly, um, that this would happen, especially at the holidays. I can't imagine being in her shoes. She told me there's $5,500 locked up in her Amazon account. Um, I'm going to double that, send her $11,000 today, just so she doesn't have anything to worry about. Um, she was never supposed to be involved in anything like this. No fan should ever have to be involved in anything like this. Okay. So that was very nice of him. You could see that he's doing what he can to help Nicole, um, I, and he had no idea, which, which is crazy, right, Tony? Yeah. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that about these companies enforcing uh, the name, image, and likeness rights? And really, again, the, these superstars don't really have time to be mired in arguments of name, image, and likeness rights, right? So you, it makes sense to divvy it out. But what are your thoughts on this entire situation here? So let's start with the fact that uh, this is very common type of work uh, that any celebrity does not specific to musicians. I'm talking athletes, celebrities that are in Hollywood. If you have some type of celebrity status, you're in the business of delegating, meaning that you are willing to outsource, you know, the tasks that normally are important to other people, other entities that should be responsible for that. So going after infringers, people that are creating counterfeit goods, um, that, that is something that is very common for a lot of celebrities to have, you know, let's say a specific agency or another entity uh, handle the takedowns of that type of counterfeit merchandise. Now, according to Luke Holmes, you probably heard a little bit of that in the video. Um, the the entity is supposed to go after the big dogs, yeah. basically these major corporations that infringe on his uh, trademarks, his personality rights, what have you. Um, but they went after this woman in Pinellas County uh, for it's always Floridians <laughs> for selling uh, like what a total of like 18 bottles. So yeah. it's like, you know, uh, it's a it's a far cry from like major conglomerate over in China that's just churning out all these fake Luke Combs on tour T-shirts. Um now, what's interesting also, I wanted to mention about the whole her being served via email. Florida just passed this law about service via email being satisfactory. Oh, really? Um, so this is just new. So kind of goes to show you how you know the due process machine is still something that you have to take into serious consideration. But all that to say, I was telling Evan this before we started recording, as much as I appreciate the candor and even like the sense of, I guess contriteness is maybe the word, but he, you could tell how emotional he was in that video in spite of that. And I applaud him for coming forth and talking about it. He is setting truly horrible precedent <laughs> for all celebrities out there. And let me explain why. At the end of the day, you're a celebrity, whether that's by way of your music, the movies you're in, the uh, the sports you play, you have a brand to protect. Yes. At you at the, there is no way around it. I just looked up for fun 
on the USPTO website, Luke Combs has registered his own name in classes of goods related to clothing, namely tops, t-shirts, and sweatshirts. He has it registered in classes related to musical sound recordings. He even has it related to live performances, even registered uh, the trademark for the word bootleggers for beverage wear. So he, it's kind of ironic. All that to say, he is clearly trying to enforce his IP and protect it at what at all costs. As he should. As he should. And I think that if celebrities are in the business of being apologetic for protecting their IP, then they shouldn't be in the business of enforcing their IP to begin with. Okay. And 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 listen, you know, I understand that this woman had some type of plight. My understanding was she was in the hospital at one point and wasn't aware of the service. And yes, you know, she only sold three hundred and eighty dollars worth of tumblers, but I think this also serves as a cautionary tale to anyone out there that you can't just go ahead and rip someone's IP without permission. Mm. You can't you can't just take uh let's say a VHS tape from like the Disney v- like those old school D- Disney VHS tapes. You can't take the wrap and you can't wrap it around a tumbler and call it your own because at the end of the day you're using the copyright and trademarks of the Walt Disney Company. Yeah. You can't you can't make a fun Sanrio Hello Kitty uh you know MacBook cover because again at the end of the day you're using trademarks and copyrights that are associated with these major brands. And that's why Etsy is such a slippery slope too. They want to encourage and foster artistic growth and and uh you know exposure but at the risk of selling product uh, that could be infringing on certain exactly. rights. Exactly. And I think, listen, everybody's enforcement of IP is going to vary. Um, but if we're, if again, celebrities are going to be in the business of apologizing for protecting their IP, then uh, they should really have a self-evaluation with their manager and with their business partners on, you know, like an honest discussion of how should they move forward protecting their IP. I I agree with you. And I I agree in part and dissent in part. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> it's all fine. I I hear you. I, I I think we need to take this case by case. In that this specific issue of him apologizing, like in this specific uh, scenario, I think is a little bit warranted. I do agree with you that it could set bad precedent, but again, there's going to be these one-offs where there's a mom Absolutely. and pop shop that may not know. I, I mean, again, unless you live under a rock, you, you should probably know you shouldn't be doing this. But then again, not everyone has legal minds and thinks, maybe I should get a license. I have this really creative exactly. shop where I do this. Maybe I should get a license to do this. So either way, um, I agree with you mostly, but I do think we need to take this on a case by case where what Luke is doing is admirable, but I would caution as tony said these these celebrities issuing apologies because people think they can get away with it so and, and let me just say i think uh there his apology video shows a sense of humanity yeah. that is really really admirable i think that that's what i i enjoyed most from watching his video that like he understood like what a grave judgment this is yeah. and he's willing to help out so he said maybe he this is stick like- to his stomach so yeah it makes me sick he says so, I mean, if you have someone like that who's like, again, a one-off scenario where you're willing to help and instead of like be a part of like the machine of protecting your IP, I mean, I, I agree with you there, Evan. You know, it, yeah, it's something you have to evaluate on a case-by-case basis. But 
generally speaking, the rule should always be, you know, be, be mindful of using someone else's IP. And I, I always tell people, if you spent so much time, effort, and money creating something and someone ripped you off, how would you feel? So that's just some, you know, some thoughtful food for thought from Professor T. No, (laughs) totally. And, and I've heard nothing but outstanding things about Luke Combs. So this doesn't shock me in the slightest. I've heard he's an outstanding guy and I've watched some of his performances on TikTok. Um, So I'm not shocked by this. So very interesting uh, story there. And let's wrap it up. Uh, The highlights here. So Tony and I, we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we've had 35 episodes together. This started as our brainchild in my apartment, where we sat legitimately with a piece of paper and workshopped names, our goal for um, making this podcast. And we actually, my fiance put me in touch with um, a, a podcast legend, some might say, and he kind of gave us a run through on what we should be aiming for? Like, who's your audience? What are you doing? You should do at least 10 test run and whatnot. So we followed the, that advice to a T and here we are. Some highlights we wanted to share. Uh, first of all, we had two CLEs that we hosted with the Minnesota Bar and the Dallas Bar Association. So CLEs, if we have any non-attorneys listening, I don't know exactly what they stand for. Continuing learning education, I guess. Continuing continuing legal education. Legal education. So yeah. each year, an attorney is required to watch certain videos to keep, you know, it's it's a way of keeping you abreast of what's going on in the legal industry. I don't hate the idea. Um, and basically you get a credit for any, anyone that you watch and Tony and I, people actually listened to us ramble on with each other and got a credit that, that satisfied their ability to maintain, uh, them being an attorney. Uh, we talked about in the Minnesota one, just about our podcast. And I believe we talked about morality, uh, clauses in there and endorsement deals and the Dallas bar association. Hmm. Do you remember what we spoke about? They're kind of a similar scenario. That, that, that one I know was like more social media focused, if not mistaken. That's right. That's right. Um, so we had two of those, which was really exciting. As I said, we had 35 episodes. An- another great hallmark for us was hosting a live panel at New York Law School, our alma mater, mm-hmm. uh, where we had Elizabeth Chan, a guest, come in. This was part of the was it was the symposium for IPLS. Yeah, it was Mephla. the inaugural. It was the inaugural IPLS Mefla uh, symposium at New York Law School. Yep, and I will be back in February, I believe, for uh, moderating a panel. So uh, I'll That's be seeing wonderful. you there probably. <laughs> so that was really exciting. We had three guests come on our podcast. We had an established actress. Uh, we had a storied Christmas singer and songwriter. And then a First Amendment legend. Uh, you can go to episode 10 for that one, I believe. Yes, um, episode 10. Uh, our guy, Ian. And... We also uh, recorded, you know, kind of just our story. We recorded in Tony's office. We've recorded remotely like we're doing today uh, when I'm in New York in, in my apartment. Tony's in his office. I was in Florida once. So I believe we talked about the Jonathan Majors lawsuit there. Yeah. Um, and then also in our roots at PNT Knitwear uh, way back when, when we started this baby in February. So haven't been there in a while, but they have been uh, so great on getting our you know, getting our wings and using that, uh, the great equipment there uh, for free too, which was awesome. And then as part of Spotify wrapped, 
Uh, you guys are all seeing that. My number one song was Camelot by Andrew Burnap and Philippa Sue. Uh, <laughs> Am I shocked by that? Am I no. shocked? I should not be shocked. No. Although I'm kind of shocked that you don't have the Sweeney Todd intro as your – Was that? did that make the top five though? It did not. It was It was three Camelot songs, Dance the Night by Dua Lipa and Cruel Summer by Taylor Oh Swift. my god amazing very very poignant very <laughs> that is poignant. so evan that is like the evan starter pack right I, there i had actually seen andrew burnap who played king arthur in camelot on broadway last night and i was able to um get another an updated photo with him and have him sign my playbill i regret not telling him that he was my number one streamed artist on spotify which definitely would have raised some eyebrows considering he's not a you know like an olivia rodrigo of sorts um but i forgot to tell him i was just so caught up in the moment so and i was freezing my tuchus off as we say <laughs> uh great and then uh, as i was saying spotify rap we were streamed in 22 countries so we might have to add uh and scene worldwide into our <laughs> into our title <laughs> we have a podcast rating of five out of five we expect nothing less nobody go and change that to four out of five only five out of five if you do we will find you and we will we know what's going to happen next okay let me put it to you this way uh, in new york we play a little dirty <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. But what I do know is that I have a particular set of skills that makes men like me very dangerous for men. That's like very me. good. Wow, Evan, that's a very good Liam Neeson. Thank Fantastic. you. Thank you. A plus. Um, so, good luck. Anyway, that was my <laughs> Liam Neeson, and we were the top ten podcast for 125 listeners. Amazing. So, I mean, you know, the fact that we're not this uh, number one stream, Joe Rogan, whatever, Morning Brew. The fact that we have dedicated listeners, that we have a worldwide reach really is such an incredible feat uh, and achievement. And we have just so much more for 2024 uh, in store for you guys. And thank you, the listeners. Without you, we would legitimately have no reason for doing this. Uh, Tony, take us on home. Uh, we again cannot thank you guys enough for really listening so so staunchly to all our episodes of End Scene. Um, we're not going to be back until 2024, but of course, if you want to take a listen to some of the older podcast episodes, you're more than welcome to. You've got 35 episodes to enjoy. Um, we want to give a shout out as always to PNT Knitwear Podcast and Bookstore, where the magic of End Scene began, located at 180 Orchard Street in the Lower East Side. Of course, we want to give a shout out to Hunter's Aaron for creating our epic theme song as we bring it into 2024 for sure. Also, you can check out Nscene on Shake, S-H-A-Y-K. Use referral code Nscene to join the conversation on all things entertainment law. And most importantly, we want to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode of Nscene and Entertainment Law Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on all social media platforms at Nscene Pod. And until next year, Nscene. Nscene.